Hey, gang, you know what's on my mind more than deleting all the annoying kids shows that show up in my YouTube watch history from over quarantine? Better marketing decisions. Yep, that's right. That's why I'm so excited to be supported by my friends at PureCars, who put the power of data and superior information into the hands of dealers where it belongs. Use PureCar to make better marketing decisions and get better results. Visit PureCars.com to get a free, no-risk, no-obligation digital strategy analysis today. That's PureCars.com. You know, because I get this question a lot. Michael, do you want to buy a dealership with me? You, I would love to own a dealership with you. And I say, I don't know if you would like owning a dealership with me because I would actually incentivize the customer to force us as an accountability mechanism to make the process faster. So for example, if my call center, my BDC, my business development center is booking appointments, I would be getting people on the phone saying, and look, Mr. Watley, our goal is to get you in and out driving that vehicle in 45 minutes or less, if every 10 minutes goes by over 45 minutes, we're going to give you a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. That would I think that would work. I really think that would work. It but would they, work on people both go, sides. Oh, well, Cirillo, you've never owned a dealership, so don't don't put these kinds of ideas. But it's the point is that's not the that's an idea to get your brain moving on what can I do? I would actually say our goal is to get you in and out of here in 45 minutes or less. If we can't do it for every 10 minutes that goes over 45 minutes, we're going to give you $100. That can be off the price of the vehicle, or that can be in the form of gift cards to your favorite restaurant, to your favorite yeah. charity, to whatever. But we are going to make sure that we are accountable to that. Um, and I think a lot of customers would go for it. But Dude, you know, I, I would I would go, I'd probably only shop at a dealer like that. And and even my very first job at age 15 through 17 was McDonald's. And our drive-through, we had a timer. As soon as they put the order in and you push total, right. timer would start. And we had to have a certain amount of time. I think it was less than a minute that they had to go through that drive-through. And it would start flashing if it changed. And you go to an assembly line, like I've been to the Dodge Viper assembly plant, the Corvette plant, uh, Mercedes in Germany. And I've been to a lot of car plants because it's kind of what we geek out when we go do things on our vacations. But you see the line, you know, when there's a time, there's a timer above every station because that assembly line has to move. And that's what keeps things flowing. And that's what keeps the money growing. And, you know, it's just so many things go wrong in that transaction process. It shouldn't be that painful. I mean, look at, look at Tesla, right? Mm -hmm. My next door neighbor bought one and he, he just brags about the whole experience. I don't really think the car is that great. I think the technology is great, but the paint and the body panel fit. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's all right. You know, I get that you love it and you feel like you're saving the earth by driving it. But the buying process is what he really liked. He's like, Tony, I just, I just downloaded this app and I selected the things and I, and I pushed some buttons and like, you know, they, they, the car got delivered. I'm like, why can't it be like that? Why yeah. can't it always be like that? Do you think that's part of it? I, I have two questions. Well, here, here's a statement to put a bow tie on, on this, because I think this is so interesting. Um, we're talking about customer experience. If you have, because think of how many people have a poor customer experience, but still end up buying the vehicle from there. And so they, they're like, yeah, oh, it's this pull. I got the vehicle I wanted, but that was mm -hmm. less than enjoyable. Always. And then look what happens. They get an automated text message saying, your car's ready for, in other words, come back and give us more of your money. 
I, so I loved my purchase experience buying my truck, mm-hmm. buying my wife's SUV. I was ready to take the crowbar out of the trunk and start swinging it at people. Um, and it drives me nuts when I get this text message saying, Hey, this is so-and-so so dealership. Your vehicle is up to, I'm like, dude, I'm going to come and burn your store down. <laughs> it, it drives me insane. And we, I don't think people are making that connection to the degree that they ought to, to say, what am I actually doing? Like, how well did we actually do? And then you send out this stupid survey. I ain't filling out your survey. What? So you can increase your customer satisfaction index. I want your dealership to burn to the ground. That's what customers are feeling. <laughs> That's what customers yeah. are feeling. And then you just keep bombarding them. So there, there's that thought. But now you're talking I will, about. I will only fill out the surveys if the sales team was exceptional. If it was the legit right. exceptional experience that I was like, wow, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. I will definitely fill out that survey. If it's mediocre or less. I'm not the type to go complain. I'll just won't do it at all. Yeah, I'm with you there. Totally. Now you talk about the Tesla experience. Um, do you think that part of the reason they are able to operate the way they do is because they are not, um, let's say as an OEM, mm-hmm. they are not imposing regulation the way that the other OEMs do. You have to market this way. You have to say this you have to be up to these numbers. You have to only use these website providers. You only can use, do you know what I mean? Do you think because mm-hmm. Tesla is like, no, we, we're not doing any of that. We're going to go direct. Do you think that that gives them some flexibility to give that better customer experience? I, I think that, you know, Elon Musk in general likes to push the envelope on on things and he loves to dis, disrupt value chains and, and all the, the transactional processes and a lot of different things. I mean, he, He's invented PayPal. I mean, that that made our email address a bank account number. I mean, come yeah. on, that's that's disrupting the payment, you know, value chain. So with that in mind, I think that also with Tesla is that it's a very cultish type, you know, desirability of of cars. I mean, he built this gotta have it. I've got friends that are just Tesla gurus and they're always posting the stocks, which are incredible, by the way, <laughs> right now as of this recording. Myself. And and they're you know, they're always posting, you know, the releases. I mean, basically Elon became, you know, the Steve Jobs of cars, making it a tech purchase that people attach their reputation and their, you know, their status on because I I, I go, you know, I did a, an event at Facebook and Instagram a year ago. And while I was there driving through Silicon Valley, it's like, I've never seen so many Teslas in my life. <laughs> right. And these aren't cheap cars, right? They're People out here driving these hybrids that are spending fifty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a car to, to save right. the earth, and yep. and it, it's a really a status symbol. It's like the Tesla has become the upper middle class to wealthy status symbol of of trying to save the earth. So good on Elon for building that to really make it like, hey, I want to wear this like a brand. I mean, that's like we drive the cars that have a lot of, with our personality, right? right? We we relate to the cars and. You know, any car you sell, whether that's the lowest base model, the cheapest car on the lot, to the mid-size you know, minivans and to the large lifted trucks, you can have a different narrative and marketing message for each of those to really resonate with your target consumer. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And it really does tie into the the customer experience because if I streamlined, well, here's a perfect example. And of course, it's a lower ticket item, but I went to... Best Buy the other day to buy a camera for my father's birthday. 
He's into doing all this stuff. He comes into my studio. He's looking at the lights. He's looking at the camera. Ooh, what do I do? Dad, you're not going to get the quality I get with your Logitech, your $39 Logitech webcam. So we, we, we go out and they say, look, it's the last model. We're going to have to take it off the thing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's totally fine. They, I sat there for almost an hour because they could not locate the special screwdriver to take that oh, security no. piece off. And I finally said, I got to go. I got to go pick up my kids from school. Why did I go to Best Buy? Because I wanted it right now. So you dealers, what they need to understand is there are still a lot of the Sorellos walking around that want it right now. Yeah. I don't want, as, as cool as it is to be able to buy a car online, when I'm ready to buy, like when I'm just, a, maybe I'm just one segment of the market, but when I'm ready to pull out my card or my cash, I want that sucker in my hands right now. And so similar to your experience with the Cadillac, what did I do? I went and bought it from another store that, that happened to have a newer one in stock. I spent $200 more than I wanted to. I, but because I wanted it right now. And so when you look at the Tesla model and everybody that's afraid of it, if you just streamlined and even got your buying process down to an hour, you you could say, we will still get you your vehicle faster than you can get it anywhere else. Because with the Tesla, I got to buy it, got to do the, do, do the whole thing, configure it. And then I got to wait for however long it takes to get that sucker to my front door. But I want, I want it right. If I'm buying a Tesla, I want that thing in my driveway right now. And that's the leg up that I don't think we think about often enough as local businesses that we can still get them the product right now. Man, it's acceleration to get to the the, the transaction is key mm-hmm. because when we're in that emotional state, because we see the car on the lot that we want to have and we can afford it, like you need to make everything happen and remove all the friction points to make that sale because everybody knows what's the bottom dollar. Everybody knows that at the dealership. What's the bottom dollar? If they're going to be price shopping because they want this car and they have this thing that's pre-approved, like just sell the car, get it, get it out the door, quit screwing around with people and keeping them hostage and making them wait in the lobby. And well, the finance person's really backed up and, you know, we got three ahead of you and you know what? Hire more finance people if that's the problem. Right? Yeah. You keep find hiring more salespeople, hire more finance people. Yeah. Find the bottleneck in your production. Why don't you ask the people like, how are things are going or, do something different. It's just the, I think a lot of this stuff can be done online before people even show up, which would just really streamline the process. Yeah. I love that. I want to talk to you a little bit about in winding down. We, we can't have a conversation with Tony unless we get to talk about mindset <laughs> because doing what you've done, doing what an entrepreneur has to do, or even having what I call automotive preneurs, the salespeople, the people that work where the quote unquote rubber meets the road. You can't be faint of heart and you can't be complacent. What are some mindset shifts that you believe everyone needs to make in order to go from where they're at to where they want to be? Wow, that's a that's a pretty big question filled with a lot of big answers. But let me, I guess, try to break that down a little bit. I, I would think that, first of all, you have to be consistent in anything you do. 
that's my key word is consistency. I sometimes I'll wear a shirt that just says consistency on. I've got a bracelet sometimes that I'll wear that has the word consistency on it. And what that means is showing up every damn day to work towards your goal or whatever you define success for yourself, whether that's financial or freedom or whatever you want to decide. Your success is based on taking those small steps and keeping promises to yourself every single day and working towards becoming the better version of yourself. And it sounds really corny, but I think about myself in a future context. I think about Tony in three years, Tony in five years. Mm. And anytime I come up with a decision, I ask myself, what would that future better version of me make this decision today? How would they make that? And so I lean on the fictional version of me that I can see in my mind and the level of success or wealth or the relationships or the accolades or anything that I want to achieve. What would they decide? Whether that the decisions could be very small, and they should be every decision. So whether that's the the food that you put on the end of your fork, the skipped workout that you didn't go to the gym because you didn't feel like it, buying the car, hanging out with the right people, partnering with this, buying this product, wasting money here, getting involved in distractions that are not delivering you to your goal, you have to be really focused on where you want to be. And and when you start to think like the future version of yourself you have no option but to become that version of yourself because all those decisions that you make, no matter how small, will lead you there. And it's happened to me over and over and over. And and here's the other thing. While that is great, sometimes you have to be willing to take steps backwards to go forward. You know, we, we like chess, you know, checkers, you're always moving forward and bouncing around, but chess, sometimes the strategic move is to make a move backwards on the board to go make the kill, you know, to the checkmate or such. But most people are really unwilling to sacrifice or take a temporary setback in their career or their their lifestyle or their status because of ego. Ego costs people relationships. It costs them their lives. It costs them millions of dollars because of bad decisions because they we hold on things with a really like with a death grip right. of the things that we currently possess. And we are infuriated when people try to take those things from us or they want to steal from us. But here's a, here's a great example that I like to share for people to get some relational context to this. Imagine that if you were sitting at your desk, maybe you're at work or something, and, and you had your wallet or your purse sitting out there and you went to go to the bathroom. And you came back and you saw that your wallet was open or your purse was open and $100 was missing. You would be enraged. I mean, just telling the story, you're probably enraged right now. Like, man, who, who stole my money? And like, and you'd be storming around asking everybody within eyeshot, like, hey, did you see anybody by my desk? Did you know anybody come over here? Oh, I bet it was Frank. You know, that Frank, he's got it in for me. I bet he saw me go to the bathroom. He came over and stole my $100. And you're just so angry and you're watching around. And you're going to the security guard. Hey, do you guys have any cameras over here that showed anybody walk over here? And you're, you're just extremely putting out all this energy to, to get that hundred dollars back because it was yours. And damn it, somebody took my hundred dollars and you're just so furious and it's just ruining your day and you're starting to see red and you can't even get over it. But here's the thing, guys, would you put that same level of energy into making $100? Mm. And the answer is no, because you didn't want to do that. The $100 was just like a paycheck that came in, a little fee that came in. You didn't put that same amount of passion and energy and doing all this stuff to make that same amount, but you're willing to die. You really go fight somebody for $100, right? Dude, I wish I had a (laughs) sound effect right there. So you got to be willing to let go of things and understand that it's okay and that 
when you want to reset and evolve and pivot, that's the big word of 2020, right? Pivot, pivot, pivot. We heard that all our lives. And, you know, if I were to ask, you know, how many times I've been willing to evolve and change in my life, and I don't think I'm done yet. I think I'm willing to do that because I always have a different purpose in life. And my purpose has always been different in my different decades. So my teens, maybe I was trying to be cool and and get girlfriends and just trying to fit in. My twenties was about trying to get education and experience and maybe a little bit of responsibility and authority in my work. Thirties, I had that education behind me. I'd already started my company at age 28 and it was about stacking money. How can I make millions of dollars and how can I do things to just really just compound the money. That's what I was really focused on. I made a lot of sacrifices being really hyper-focused on that. 40, when I hit that, I started being really focused on legacy. It's like, I have money. I'm a happy guy. I've always been a happy guy. I was happy when I was broke. Money, more money's not making me happier, but helping other people and seeing other people transform and I can take them on this journey. That's what makes me happy. That's where the gratitude comes out. That's why you and I both hang out on Clubhouse giving free advice for hours a day because we're trying to help other people break out of their own damn way and get the results that they deserve and they they need and they can we see the potential in them and it eats me up when people don't use their potential so my 40s i'm hyper focused on how am i going to do something to change the impact or, or how can i impact and serve millions of people in this world my neighbor's driving by in his tesla as i say this so <laughs> with that in mind that's that's what i'm focused on right and yeah. and it's so it, it's for me to do these things i had to change a lot every single time right if i were to sign a, a letter that said like all my job titles, it would say lawnmower, burger flipper, waiter, bartender, manager, teacher, engineer, project manager, entrepreneur, speaker, host, podcast host, like all these different things I'm willing to change to do what's serving my purpose at that time. And you got to realize every time we go reset, we have to let go of that old version of ourselves yeah. because maybe that doesn't serve us anymore. Maybe Tony, my old screen name was nine ball because I was a collegiate nine ball champion player. And that was my username on my car sites. That doesn't serve me for where I'm going now. You know, my car businesses, everybody knows me as nine ball, but that doesn't help me with the business coaching and speaking and trying to impact millions of people by teaching them confidence and business principles. Right. So I had to let go of that old identity. I loved it. Learned a lot of things. But I had to take a step backwards, regroup, figure out what I wanted to do, and then get rid of distractions. Mm. And one of the biggest distractions I got rid of most recently was racing cars. You talked about I loved racing cars. I love road racing. I love drag racing. I love airstrip racing. 2015, when I decided to leave my corporate career and go be more focused on what I'm doing now, I said, that's a distraction. It cost me thousands of dollars per month because I was doing it every month, a couple weekends every month. And road racing is expensive. Let's, let's be honest. Like people talk about golf being expensive. No, 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 no. Road racing is a $2,000 weekend. Like try that. Try that a couple of times a month. So I so said, that's a distraction. As much as I love it, I need to go make time and dedicate my resources and attention to doing something that's going to move me closer to my goals and in doing so, it will eventually open up the time, the freedom, the finances to be able to go back and do that again. I don't leave things forever. It's just temporary. Right. And a lot of people didn't understand that. Like, hey, Tony, why don't you come out racing with us? Like, man, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on this business. I'm helping my wife start, start her realtor company and here in Houston. And I'm building this business. And I've still got an online retail company. I'm still scaling. It's like, I got to be focused because my time is what, what I can schedule. And 
I don't need this distraction. So those are the kind of things you got to be willing to give up. You have to be willing to give up that status that requires you downsizing your life temporarily to go do what you need to do. Do that. Quit worrying about what other people think. Because if you're worried about what other people think, it's obviously the people that you don't really care about anyways, and they don't care about you either. Surprise. Everybody's got their own problems. So go do the things. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.